we do everything we can to make sure that we are on the path to greater sustainability every time the industry gives us something that can make us better. So when they gave us plastic that's biodegradable, that's not really plastic, great. Thank you. Let's try to get that going. Um, Recycle plastic pellets to make denim from recycled bottles. Super. Let's use that. So I think it's important for us to know that the job's never done. We're on a sustainability journey and we all need to do it together. And I'm sorry, but companies need to take responsibility. It cannot just be on the consumer. You can't put it on the consumer to make all their choices. What's available to them is from the businesses Mm -hmm. and the businesses need to take control. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Ingrid Carney. She is the founder and CEO of Ingrid and Isabel. Ingrid actually spent six years at three of the top five global advertising agencies before eventually migrating to Silicon Valley startups. However, it was her own personal experience with pregnancy that inspired her greatest business success. Struggling with what to wear, she thought of a simple problem solver to keep her pants up as a pregnant belly grew, suggesting she not buy maternity so soon, but get more life out of her own clothes. Nearly 20 years and 12 patents later, Ingrid's widely popular invention, the Bella Band, evolved into the maternity apparel company known as Ingrid and Isabel. It is actually now the largest maternity retail sales brand in the United States. Today, the company offers a full range of maternity essentials sold in specialty stores across the country, as well as major retailers like Nordstrom, Target, you know, Amazon, Bloomingdale's, no big deal, and so much more. I had so much fun talking with Ingrid. I am a huge fan of the Ingrid and Isabel brand. When I went through all of my pregnancies, her Bella band was truly life-saving. And so to get the opportunity to talk with the founder of this incredible company was truly an honor. But before I get to my conversation with Ingrid, I want to thank one of our partners of the show, and that is Demain. And I love Demain so much that I actually have the founder, Julie Billingham, here with me to share a little bit more about why this ethical brand is so incredible. Julie? Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to partner with you and to be a part of this community that you've built. I mean, Demet is a sustainable footwear and fashion brand, and we have the steadfast commitment to creating authentic fashion and fashion accessories. And it's really our great honor to produce things that matter. And our Haitian craftsmen and women really take such pride in each handbag we make, each pair of sandals that we assemble. And um, we just love what we do so much. And we are, we're proud to craft. And so thanks for having us. Absolutely. And for those of you who want to check out Demet, you can do so online at D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com. And you can use the promo code Molly, and that will get you a 15% off your purchase. Now on to my conversation with Ingrid Carney. Ingrid, I am so honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I have been, uh, so my first daughter was born in 2013 and I was first introduced to your brand back in, you know, 2012 when I found out I was pregnant. And uh, let me just say that uh, this is like, this is, I'm really kind of fangirling over here because I am just such a huge (laughs) fan of Ingrid and Isabel. And so uh, to get a chance to be able to talk with you and hear the story behind the brand that has, was huge for me during my pregnancies um, is just really exciting. So without further ado, Ingrid, I'm going to have you give me the Ingrid 101. So tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for first sending your compliments because (laughs) it never gets old. I always enjoy hearing that people have a good experience with Ingrid and Isabel, that you found us, that you liked us, and that we did what we should be doing, which is serving moms. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. The Ingrid 101. Let's see here. 
I am married to a fabulous person named George. I have two daughters. Isabel is my oldest and she was that bump in my belly that inspired me to do this company. And then Sasha is my number two, who is just my little lover in the family. And we live in San Francisco. I'm actually from Texas. I grew up in Texas until I was about 10 years old. And then I moved abroad, grew up overseas. My dad was an engineer at the Department of Defense. Um, And then I came back to the States for college and I've been here ever since. So you obviously have done a lot of traveling and you have experienced so many things. Do you, I just have to ask, because I love to um, travel and experience different cultures. Do you have a favorite place that you have lived or do they all kind of hold a special place in your heart? You know, there is one particular place that I lived that will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, and that is Italy. I oh. went to when I grew up in, well, I was in Saudi Arabia for a while. Then while in Saudi Arabia, you have to leave the country to go to school once you go into high school. Mm. So it was normal for everyone in elementary to apply to high school if your parents were, will continue working in Saudi Arabia for you to then leave. And so I went to boarding school just wow. like everybody else did. And my boarding school was in Rome. Wow. And I will never forget that experience. My friends and I from that time are still close. We still text each other. Oh um, it, it whole that whole city, because not only because that city is an amazing city in and yeah. of itself, but growing up at that time between the age of 15 and 18 slash 19, it was such an impressionable mm. age uh, and experience at the right time that not even San Francisco. And I love San Francisco and I've been here for many years now, but Italy and particularly Rome will always be the most special for me. Okay. I am real jealous. (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) I took a trip to Rome my senior year of college and you are right. It is one of those cities that you just... It's so hard to put into words how beautiful it is and just the history and the architecture and the food. Oh, the food. Uh, Yeah, it is just, it's amazing. So I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in high school and just living there. That is incredible. I know. It it was incredible. And I would always say to my group, I was known for saying, wait, stop, look around, think about this. Look at us. (laughs) Look at what we're doing right now. And I'd be like, Ingrid, come on, let's keep going. You know, don't worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a Coliseum. It's there every day. I'm like, yeah, but it's the Coliseum Coliseum. every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Now, what did you, when you went, uh, when you, when you left Rome, did you know always that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you have an entrepreneurial spirit or did that kind of happen later. Okay. So there's a funny story here. I don't remember having an entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't even know the words entrepreneurial spirit until I started to enter this category of work. But my grandmother died. She died at 99 and a half years old a few years ago. And when I went home for that I would say not just the funeral, but that whole phase where you connect with family, you start to go through old letters and photos and boxes of things that you wouldn't otherwise pull out. I found a letter to my grandmother from boarding school Mm. that said, so I'm getting ready to graduate, go to college, and I think I want to own a business. And I remember thinking, I've never said that. Did I really say that? But there it was in writing written when I was 18 to my grandmother who had just passed telling her I wanted to run a business. But I've never known myself as that person. So this idea of have you always known you wanted to be an entrepreneur? If I did, I forgot. Yeah. But it's funny that my journey led me here. Yeah. Um, Because along the way, I will tell you, even when I started the company in 2000, you know, 2002, 2003, I never was setting out to own a company, employ people and be a CEO. I did it because I thought of something and I felt like I should bring it to other women. Mm. I literally had no plans to even make money to pay myself. I I wanted to pay for private school because it's said that in the Bay Area, our public schools lack a little bit of luster. So I thought, well, then that's my goal. I don't need to pay myself. I just need to pay for private school. We'll live meagerly off of my husband's income and 
and we'll um, and we'll get our kids into a good educational system. Little did I know that the company would, you know, pass the seven-figure mark. That I would have now have thirty-eight employees and be working with the likes of Nordstrom and Target. Yeah, but that's where the path has led us. I will say though that I've always felt like I've been in service of mom, and again, often lead by stewardship and, mm. and also by consulting the rest of my team yeah. as opposed to being a CEO and running the ship. I feel like we all do it collectively here together. Wow. I love that story of the fact that you wrote this in this letter to your grandmother. And so that that almost just speaks to the fact that there was this seed in there that just needed to be watered and needed to be cultivated. And it was the right opportunity, the right timing uh, that, you know, came along. And so obviously, I want to get to the Ingrid and Isabel story, but I kind of want to lead up to that. So what was sort of your career path um, prior to starting the company? Right. So I went into advertising, and then that led me into marketing. I wasn't the STEM girl. Uh, Science was not my thing. (laughs) I loved it. I was curious about it. But I think I have I have a learning difference that made it hard to study it and do well in it. Yeah. So you, you lead to the creative side, right? And so advertising and marketing where ideas were a part of the process and those ideas were qualitative. And then the quantitative side really came in through the research which was just really talking to target audiences. Yeah. So I found my vibe there. I was like, okay, I love talking to people. I love understanding and asking a lot of questions and then thinking about how whatever product or service we worked on would work for that person or that group of people. I then left the agency world when the internet was going crazy and went to go work for a startup in Silicon Valley. That was when I was plucked out of being around only people I knew, people in advertising and marketing, and actually being the only advertiser slash marketer in a company next to an engineer, a salesperson, uh, you know, a developer, or, you know, all these job titles that I'd never been this close to. Yeah. Um, and then having to answer questions when they would ask me, why are you here? What's the point of advertising? <laughs> Says the engineer. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So you build it. I go talk about it. And they're like, well, why don't people just get it? So they, ha- I would, it was just a new world for me. Yeah, but it allowed me to hone my skills in talking about purpose and meaning behind marketing and advertising, yeah. not only to the people in the company, but then really answer those questions before going to a target audience. Yeah. Um, and then I would say that from there, I, I went over to a few more startups and got more practice at that. I also saw uh, with that experience that investment money can go into companies with some moderate ideas, some great ideas, and that execution is a big piece of it. Yeah. Um, but all of it has to come from an idea and that idea has to be problem solving. It has to be life-changing. It has to have an impact. It needs to do something beyond what people are used to now. Every company needs its superpower, yeah. uh, whatever it is. For some people, it's fabric. You know, it could be yeah. as easy as fabric. Maybe Lululemon started with like fabric and design. Yeah. Um, and then other people, it's a whole other way of living. So think of Google, think of Facebook. And then others, it's just um, something completely different. I mean, uh, it could be just a way of service. It could, like think about rituals, like reinventing yeah. the vitamin and how they look at the ingredients and communicate it to people. Yeah. So I I love that process, but I will say something to the seed of who I am. Yeah. I'm the daughter of an engineer. And everyone always said, you're like your father. You're like your father. Well, my father is a civil engineer. He builds things and he solves things. And the Bella Band, which is what got me into this industry, was me being unsatisfied with the fact that I couldn't button my pants. So rather than just living with a problem, I solved it. Yeah, And I didn't solve it for everybody else. I solved it for me in a moment on my way to a meeting. But then I realized that if it worked for me, maybe it could work for other people. So I think there's always been a tinkerer inside of me. I think to the Tinkerbell movie and and how everybody has that little job. And I would have definitely been a Tinkerbell because I tinker all the time to come up with solutions to problems nobody cares about. Yeah. And then I, I, you know, live my life that way. I love hearing that because I think that speaks to so many people, especially in the business and entrepreneurial space, 
where oftentimes their journey to entrepreneurship or their journey to owning a business or launching a product might look different from somebody else. But having those different experiences and your background in marketing and especially working with... I mean, for launching a product, especially something like the Bella Band, which is so unique and really problem solving, I bet those skills of being able to really discuss uh, you know, needs with a target audience came to use, I can only imagine. And so I think that's really an encouraging thing to hear is that Every step along the way, all the different experiences you had um, really will speak to so many different entrepreneurs who, you know, maybe right now their idea is just like a side hustle (laughs) and they're just wondering like, does all of this matter? Does all of this make sense? You know, am I am I moving in the the right direction? And I think that that your experience and all the different pieces of the puzzle that kind of came together um, speaks to that. So I mean, that leads me to obviously, you get pregnant, and you have this problem that all pregnant women listening or <laughs> or husbands of pregnant women will know uh, that they have the problem of you get to that point in pregnancy and all of a sudden those pants don't button. <laughs> and so here you were, you were, like you said, you were on your way to a meeting. So I'm curious, like, where did the idea come from? How did you begin to develop this thing initially for your own purpose? And then said, huh, I, I think there are probably other women that could use this too. Right. So I think there's, there's a subconscious and a conscious level to this. So the subconscious part, so what seeded me to getting to a solution that I'd been living with and I, I never really applied it to this issue yeah. is that, believe it or not, I, I am a person who puts her weight on in the waist. And back in the day when I got my first job and I worked at an ad agency, but even still, we had to wear dresses and skirts and pantyhose and high heels. Oh, and it was just kind of a different time, uh, right? Uh. But- uh, those control top pantyhose were so tight around my waist that it pinched me and I could never really tuck in a shirt effectively without seeing the folds in my back and my side. So I would lift the control top portion of the pantyhose and fold it down so that the top hem, which was so strong, moved down and it softened the, the line at my softest part of my body, which was my waist. It smoothed things out. It made the control top a double layer. It made the top seem less restrictive, similar to how a Lululemon pant is. And uh, it it allowed me to tuck my shirt in. So fast forward to being pregnant. I'm no longer working at an ad agency. I am not wearing pantyhose to work anymore, but I have those still sitting in the drawer and I can't button my pants. I immediately look down and I'm thinking, okay, how do we solve this? Well, first let's put on a shot, a top where I can't see this. Let's find a pair of uh, another pair of pants, but nothing worked. Uh, and the maternity pants that someone had gifted me, the panels were too big. I didn't fill them yet. I was too small for that, but without even realizing it, I jumped to problem solving my situation. Like I did several years prior with control top waistband pantyhose. <laughs> and I, uh, I thought I need to smooth this out. Because I used to smooth things out with my waist all the time. But now instead of being around my sides and my back, it's in my front. So I thought I, I, it's almost like I need a Band-Aid or something to kind of just a big fat knee pad to go right here and just hold it flat. So I run to the bathroom, open up the first aid kit. I unpackage a Band-Aid. And as I'm doing this big knee patch, I'm thinking, this is stupid. I mean, I, I'm going to put it on. I got to take it off to pee many times a day. This isn't going to work. But next to it was an ACE bandage. Mm. And that I was like, oh, let's wrap around the body. That's what I'll do. So I wrap this ACE bandage around my body and it effectively flattened out my pants, but it immediately started to scrunch and move around because it's in pieces, right? It's in pieces wrapping around. It didn't work. And then I was like, and then I'm gonna have to wrap this every time I pee. So forget that. But then I thought, okay, let's wrap around the body, go back to the closet. I pull out those control top pantyhose. And while Sarah Blakely was just cutting off the toes, I cut off the crotch and the legs. And I put it around my waist and it flattened it out. It smoothed it out. I put on my shirt, but within seconds, because nylon is so slick, it just rolled up like a little burrito roll around my waistband and it didn't work. So I was like, but what else do I have that can wrap around? And oddly enough, I had a seamless knit tube top sitting in my closet and Mm. I pulled it out. 
I put it on, I double folded it. I put my shirt on, didn't tuck it in, put my suit jacket, looked in the mirror. It's like, I can't tell them my pants are undone. This is it. I grabbed my purse and I left. And I didn't even think more about it other than the fact that I was getting away with this and I just needed to do it for the meeting. Yeah. And then it was at the meeting that my business partner, we were going to raise money for our startup, which was not doing so well because it was a big dot-com bust in like 2001. And so uh, she said, why, why were you late? And I said, well, look at what happened. And I lift up my shirt and I showed her that my pants were unfastened and I had this band around my belly to try to hold them up. And she just looked at me and she said, if this company doesn't work, then you need to do that one. And that company didn't work. So then I took a break. I had a baby, went through postpartum depression, came up for air and I was like, let's do this. And that's what happened. That is okay. I love that story so much. Um, I don't love, obviously, that your first that company went under. I'm really sorry to that CEO. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think what it what a cool story of just standing there thinking like, okay, what do I have? What do I have? What do I have? I remember before I had discovered the Bella Band when I was pregnant is I did the hair tie trick. I don't know if you know the hair tie trick where you oh yeah like loop a hair tie on the button and then like loop it through. But then again, it's still it's just like pressing into your belly and it's just you're uncomfortable and it just everything was just like, ugh. and I, here I was like, I didn't want to buy an entire new, you know, wardrobe of maternity wear. And uh, somebody had suggested the Bella Band. And I remember the first time I put it, I was like, this is genius. Like this is the most genius <laughs> product ever. And then it was just like opened up this I don't even know, like, like a Pandora's box of like, okay, now I need all the things. Um, and so then of course I like ended up having an entire maternity line by Ingrid and Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that it worked out for you. I know. It's funny. It was, we were one of the, I mean, we launched the company saying, don't buy maternity, like don't spend money right now. And, and, and now we make maternity clothes, but I'll tell you, it set something up differently. The point of the band was to minimize the amount of things you were wearing. So sustainability right there, let's yeah. go bounce back to sustainability in 2001, two and three. But then also that mom should canvas her closet and really spend time looking at what you have already. And can you use this accessory to get more yes. life out of what you have? I have felt we've always been in service of mom and on the side of mom because that was me. Yeah. I didn't have anything, but I needed to solve. And every morning that a pregnant girl wakes up and she has to figure out what to wear, sometimes you have to judge things a little bit. Yes. And the intention was this accessory to kind of help you. And people didn't even realize you can wear it with maternity that's too big too. Mm -hmm. You can wear it with something that needs adjusting. Oh, think about leaving that side skirt unzipped and then put the band on with that. Use it afterwards when your belly's not small enough to put on your pre-pregnancy clothes, but let them be unbuttoned. So there was just, it was just a simple, seamless band that was just like your best friend. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Ingrid and thank our other partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. How much time do you spend reading labels? A lot, right? Mama Suds would love to help you take the stress of research out of your life with their truly safe, non-toxic household cleaning collection. They have everything you need to keep your family and your home clean and safe. Now, if you've seen my Instagram stories, you know that I love their laundry soap. The best part is that they use plants and minerals to make their products and absolutely nothing synthetic. The head mama at Mama Suds is Michelle Smith, and she has spent a crazy amount of time tracking down exceptional ingredients. So they are not only safe for you and your family, but sustainable for the planet. Mama Suds wants to inspire you to live a smart, healthy, and sustainable life that brings you joy and peace of mind. You can try them out at mamasuds.com and use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Ingrid Carney. Now, I love that you mentioned the sustainability component, because obviously that is one of the things that also attracted me um, to Ingrid and Isabel, because that is something that is very important to me. And you were kind of a little bit ahead of the curve, because this wasn't really something that people were talking about in 2002, 2003. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody was really thinking about, you know, their carbon footprint or how they're things are made. And obviously we, here we are in 2021 and we still have a long way to go, but where we are now compared to where we were basically 20 years ago, 
two completely different places. And the conversation has shifted. And obviously, one of the things that I learned very early on was that you not only invest a lot into you know the sustainability component, but you manufacture everything in wrap certified factories, which is something that I have talked about here on the podcast a lot. I always tell people I'm just like, don't necessarily, I mean, because in the sustainability and ethics department, there's this conversation a lot about like, oh, well, if you see something's made in China or made in Bangladesh or made like immediately write it off. And I'm not saying that you you shouldn't, but I say, but sometimes it requires to do a little digging. And a lot of times those countries do have ethical RAP certified factories, which means that the people inside are being paid a living wage. There's no child labor. There's a lot of sustainability aspects. And so those are things that um, are really, really, really important. I was just making sure that the people that are behind the clothes we wear are being treated the way we would, you know, they're moms too. So many of them are women and they're moms too. Like, I always think about this as just like, is there a mother on the other side of the world being um, treated unfairly just so I can have a more comfortable pregnancy? You know what I mean? Uh, You're absolutely right. You're speaking the language I love, which is that it's so interesting. Years ago, people didn't know what the icons were to say wrap certified on something or or Okiotech because people just didn't know what that was. So even if you brought it forward to the customer and put it on a hang tag or put it on a website, it didn't have any weight. Right. Um, Like it it took a while for some of these things to come forward. I mean, think about it in the hosiery world. At some point, someone said, let's put denure on the package and say, let them know what denure it is. Or sheeting and thread count. It's like, right. what is that? You know, and but then know. it became consumer <laughs> yeah. friendly, and right. suddenly we're all judging our thread counts um, or hosiery denure. So I I think that um, it's great that companies are coming forward and bringing some of this information to the consumer to educate them so that they know. And I absolutely support domestic and international production. Yes. You know, people often say they don't pay them enough. And it's like, but their economy is different. I mean, you even know within the US that you get paid a certain salary if you're in one state or one city versus another state because the cost of living is different. Well, the cost of living is different in some of these other countries. And the amount that is paid to them in that country is actually suitable for that economy. Right. And it also is supporting our, you know, we share this planet, right? It's not country to country. We share this planet. We share this production. And at the end of the day, we all learned this from OPA. We all are moms and we love our kids Yeah, and we all want to do right by them. So I love the idea that we do domestic production and we do international production. We do vet our factories. We have a sustainability consultant because while I like to think that we do all of our homework, I need someone as checks and balances. Yeah. So We do everything we can to make sure that we are on the path to greater sustainability every time the industry gives us something that can make us better. So Mm -hmm. when they gave us plastic that's biodegradable, that's not really plastic, great. Thank you. Let's try to get that going. Um, You know, they give us certain, you know, recycled pellets to make nylon. Great. Let's use that. Recycle plastic pellets to make denim from recycled bottles. Super. Let's use that. So I think it's important for us to know that the job's never done. We're on a sustainability journey and we all need to do it together. And I'm sorry, but companies need to take responsibility. It cannot just be on the consumer. You can't put it on the consumer to make all their choices. What's available to them is from the businesses Mm -hmm. and the businesses need to take control. Oh, man. I'm just going to like give you a standing ovation. <laughs> yes. I mean, preach it. Preach it, Ingrid. Yes, that is. Oh, my gosh. I could just I want to like put that on a giant billboard. <laughs> just be like, come on, people. Um, Yes, it's so important, you know, and yes, I believe. And one of the things that I feel so called to is having these conversations so that we can educate consumers, but also educate business owners. Because so often, you know, I feel like I just say this quote over and over and over again, but it goes back to that Maya Angelou quote of when you know better, you do better. And so often people use the excuse of, oh, well, we didn't know. And I go, okay, well, now you know. (laughs) 
and you can make positive changes going forward. And I also say all the time, like, it's not about perfection. It is not about like, you know, making sure that every single tiny little aspect in from the, you know, the seed in the ground that grows the cotton all the way to the sales floor is perfect. That is certainly something to strive towards. Absolutely. But the more that you can begin to make these incremental changes and that are being mindful, being thoughtful about what you're doing, how you're sourcing, how you're creating things, how you're marketing to the consumer, how you're educating the consumer on the fact that this is a great product, but also it was, you know, it was manufactured ethically. Um, those are all different pieces that I think are part of this, uh, this larger puzzle that really begins to fit together beautifully. But it's just, you have to make progress. And I think so often people just wait and they just like, well, I can't be perfect. So I'm just not going to do it. Or I can't shop 100% ethically. So I'm just not going to bother when it's like, no, no, the more that we can make these incremental changes, the better. Agreed. And, and, you know, back in 2006, I think for Earth Day, we launched a cotton-based, organic cotton-based Bella Band to sell alongside our regular Bella Band because we want to make a difference. It's 2006. Yeah. And it cost a lot more money for us because the cotton, the farm, and we had to go in. I was like, why is it so much more expensive? And they said, well, the farm that grows the cotton or the, you know, the plant that grows the cotton, they have to get certified and the certification process takes a long time yeah. they have to till the soil. They have to get approvals. It costs a lot of money. So ultimately the product that you're buying from them to make the band is more expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, then how do I do my part to bring an organic cotton band and have people buy it? Mm -hmm. And our choice was that we, we can't give it at the same price because I still have to pay employees. I need to move it from A to B. I need to package it. I need to ship it and pay for all of that. So there's so much involved, but I can take a lower margin. So the upcharge on the organic band was not the same percentage as the regular band. We cut it in half by 50% because I wanted people to buy it. But back in 2006, I'll tell you, there weren't a lot of people buying the organic band. They weren't choosing it. And even for a band to hold up their pants, they... They were just saying they couldn't afford the extra $2. And then I got it because then I thought, okay, well, let's talk about the price point of the band. And this leads to a whole other topic. But, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to partner with Target was, you know, I love Target, but at the end of the day, it wasn't because it's just Target. It was because they had 1,800 doors and they could get the band to more people for a lower price. If I can buy more bands with the volume of Target, then I can negotiate my pricing down. Then I can offer it a lower retail. And so mom gets it in all these targets and not just the 2000 stores I'm in, but another almost 2000 at a, at a lower price. The quality is a little different because it's just has to be less expensive to make, but it's still going, going to hold up your pants. So that was our way of getting the band to more people, which yeah. is also contributing to that sustainability message. It's contributing to for every mom, for every belly. Is there a mom on the other end of making this band? Where are all the moms in the US? There are, you know, just shy of 4 million of us giving birth every year. Holding up her pants shouldn't be something you can only afford to do. We should all be able to do it. Yeah. So that was a big, a big motive for that partnership. Yeah. That's yeah. an incredible partnership. And I mean, that was how I was introduced to it was through Target. And so you'd mentioned, obviously, that your initial kind of going into this, you ended up developing this company, you developed this product. And quickly, I think, or pretty quickly, maybe, maybe not at the time, it seemed very quick, but it, it, it kind of took off. And it began to be something that women were demanding, because they were like, Oh, this is a legit problem that I have. And this here's a solution. At what point did you really realize, okay, we have something here. And I think there's also a market for other maternity lines um, or other maternity clothing. And and one thing I will say, and, you know, I know that you spoke to the, um, you know, initially you, you said, oh, we don't want to 
force people to buy more maternity. Now we make maternity clothes. But one of the things that I've loved about some of the uh, Ingrid and Isabel maternity clothing that I own is it's it's maternity clothing that I have 100% worn when I'm not pregnant. So it's stuff that, yes, it works for maternity, but it also works all the time, even when you're not pregnant. So um, anyway, so I'm just making that little side comment. Uh, But yeah, so tell us, like, at what point did you kind of realize that that we have something here and then you developed um, another line? Yeah. So it's funny. A lot of people think that entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs are risk takers. Um, (laughs) But I did this with very little, not little risk. There was risk, but it was always measured. And I was always very careful. And I always took baby steps. And that is that in the beginning, being a marketer, it means I'm super insecure about my ideas. So I have to test it against consumers. So when I thought of the band and then I came up from air for air after having Isabel, I had samples made and I distributed them to moms in my mommy group and I had them wear them and then give me feedback. And at that point, I knew like 80 to 80, 90% of the feedback was love this, I'd buy it. So I knew then that was enough for me to try it. And then when we to initial stores, there was an obstacle, which is that they said, no one's looking to solve this problem with the, the hair tie and the button or you know the safety pin connecting one side of the pant to the other. No one's looking to solve that. And your product's sitting in my store, but nobody's shopping it. It's not clear. So our packaging said, it was clever. It said at the beginning, it was, it's all narrative, which coming from advertising, you'd never just put all this narrative on a package. You'd want some pictures, you'd want a headline, something to capture your attention, but it said newly pregnant question. And so immediately everybody in the maternity store could engage. And it said, can't button your pants. Well, everyone's going to hit that point. And then it said, easy fix. And it said, take this little number, put your feet through it, lift it up around your waist, fold it down, put your shirt on over it. Now you can hold your pants up and nobody has to know that your pants are undone. And so it was, there was a little bit of humor. There was definitely a relation to the customer and then they started selling like hotcakes. The store owners didn't have to be selling it. Yeah. It sold itself in the display. And then women, as you know, particularly ones who are having babies, we do a lot of research before we make purchases. And when you find something you love, you tell all your friends yep. because you want them all to have access to what you found and discovered. So that happened and it happened really fast. Somebody asked me a few days ago, how long did it take you to get to a seven-figure business? And it was it was just shy of three years. It mm. was really fast. And that was just on one product. Yeah. So going forward and continuing, all of these little validations came through. And when we came out, we were just one size fits most. Why? I wanted to make sure. And then I added two sizes and then I added plus sizes and then I added a couple of colors. So we slowly went out and started to expand when we had validation from the market. And because I didn't take any funding, this is not a, a funded business. Um, this is entirely funded by me. I needed to be able to write a check for whatever it was that I was putting into the company yeah. and make money back so that I could put more money back into it. So I didn't pay myself for about four years. And, um, everything just went back into the business to help us grow and meet this demand that was coming in through the front door. And from that, it opened our idea to, you say that you can wear it after you can wear the clothing after we set expectations, which, or, or standards, which is that you have to be able to wear it at all stages of pregnancy, whatever it is we make need to be able to wear it through all of pregnancy. And you need to be able to wear it after because none of us are the same when we walk out of the hospital than when you first got pregnant, our bodies are different. So you need to last that amount of time until you literally want to burn what you own. Yeah. And we need to expect more from our clothes. Mm. We need to expect function and fit and sustainability is the new thing. Um, we have an expectation for the apparel that we wear now. And, and this was our whole mantra starting in 2002, 2003. And now I would say so many people in the industry have gone there and it's been so exciting to see consumers expect something from their purchases. I want my clothes to work for me, whether I can like my dress right now, I wore it to bed and I'm wearing it here on a podcast with you (laughs) or just putting it out there or, or I'm going to wear my leggings, shopping, lounging, working out, yoga, 
sleeping, whatever. You just expect more from what you buy. Yeah. That's such a great perspective. And I think also just speaks to how things have changed so much from, you know, even when we were kids to especially, you know, the grandmother that you spoke of that, you know, you wrote a letter, like think about what maternity wear looked like for her when she was having children. I mean, just how different it is. And, you know, there are obviously pros and cons to all of that. But I just love your perspective of really wanting to meet a need, solve a problem. And, you know, in a way that is is sustainable. It has long term, you know, so it's not just something that they're going to buy, wear two or three times and then just dispose of. It's just really thinking about long term. And I love how you even spoke to, you know, the using the Bella Band postpartum and all those kinds of things. I mean, that's just, oh man, we could have an entire conversation around that. But I um, know. Um, so obviously I could talk to you all day about this um, and just your incredible vision, your your incredible company. Um, but before we get to the get to know you round, what is on the horizon for Ingrid and Isabel? Obviously you have so many things on your plate and you have this incredible company. What's on the horizon for you this year and kind of in the future? Well, you know, it's been interesting expanding what we do and still sticking to our, you know, vision, purpose, mission, and, and yet expanding. I mean, so when you become pregnant, you need not just a band, you need denim, you need pants, you need tops, you need dresses. And while a dress with a beautiful floral might be considered frivolous to some, guess what? Mom has some showers to go to. She Mm -hmm. has some events and sometimes she needs to feel pretty to get through her day. So it is a need. It serves a need and it serves a purpose. So I don't want people to be confused by saying, oh, but now you do all maternity. I was like, but yeah, we run it through that lens. Yeah. Is, is Does it fill a need for mom? And if the answer is yes, and sometimes that floral maxi dress is exactly what she needs, then we yep. do it. But we do it thoughtfully yeah. and we do it so that she can wear it after. And we do it so we're considering her body shape and changes and opacity and stretch and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you try to make everything you will become moderate. Hmm. You can't make everything at my company size where we are still a private company. We are profitable, and, but I need to pay my employees. I need to buy more product. I need to make sure we have all the technology and Zoom screens now and office space, but hybrid spaces too. There's a lot to pay for when you have a company and you're responsible for the people that that you employ. Yeah. And so when I think about our purpose and going through this, I we really are in service of mom. So we are expanding um, our partnerships and where one person might look at a company and Ingrid Nisbell and say, they're competitors. You know, we're all serving the same mom Mm. and we are all doing something really good for her. Mm. So we are we already vet and evaluate the marketplace before we make anything because we want to make sure that we're making something strong, good, better than what she has. Like the Bella Band kind of broke a barrier. We're always trying to break barriers. But I want to recognize the other companies out there that are doing exactly what we're doing. They're just doing it in bras or they're doing it in skincare and wellness or they're doing it in denim. So we're reaching across the aisle and we're talking to those other companies that are serving mom just like we are. And we're inviting the best in class to be a part of Ingrid and Isabel and bringing that to mom so that she can make the best choices for herself. So I kind of want to break this idea of competition and say, we're all in this together. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but that's, that's the direction we're headed in because if we're all in service of mom, then we should put that first. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that is such a unique, sadly, I wish it was more commonplace, but I think that's a really unique approach. Um, There are so many businesses that are just, they feel like they're constantly in competition with others. And I think that if more CEOs, if more business owners had that mindset of collaboration 
I think it would make a big difference. I think we would see um, a lot more productivity, <laughs> maybe, you know, is just realizing, well, how can we work together? And how, yeah. how do we realize that we're just, we're here to serve? Um, yes, we're here to make money. Yes, we're here to run businesses. But um, just because, you know, you have a, the one piece of the pie doesn't mean that I, I don't as well. If that makes right. sense. And, and if I'm making something, let's say that I'm making a nursing bra and we love our nursing bra and it does great for women who are size, you know, 32B to 36 double D, but there's another bra out there that's better for that bigger girl. And if I'm truly in service of mom, don't I want her to buy that one? Yeah. I, I want her to be satisfied at the end of the day through her pregnancy. So I'd rather partner. And I mean, I can try to make it, but I'm also not a bra expert. I will tell you that right now. Making bras is really hard to do. It takes excellent designers who have done it time and time again. Same with denim. You need to be specialists. And while we have hired in that area, I also pay homage to mm -hmm. those other bra makers that are amazing. And we are now carrying those brands on our site. And I, I respect them to no end because they do amazing work. And so I'll bring forward the few bras that I think that we do really well, but I'm bringing them forward too, because mom needs to find the best bra for her. I mean, mm -hmm. just like all bellies are different. All boobs are different. Yeah. All bums <laughs> yeah. are different. We're all different, yes. but we, you know, we have the same condition. Yeah. You know, what the world calls a handicap. I'm <laughs> pregnant. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Ingrid, you're the best. Uh, <laughs> that is awesome. Um, okay. Well, now is the portion of the show where I ask just some fun to get to know you questions. So Ingrid, are you ready for the get to know you round? Okay. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. I okay. promise. It's so funny. Everybody's always nervous. And I'm like, what do you guys think I'm going to ask? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Maybe know. It's, it's the fear of the unknown. I understand. It is. It's the fear of the unknown. <laughs> Lack of control. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So question number one, what part of a kid's movie completely scarred you? Oh my God. Scarred me. <laughs> What part in, in which movie? Like just, or like, is there a kid's movie that totally scarred you as a kid? I mean, I feel like we all have that movie. Like, for example, I'll give my example is, um, my girl, if anybody remembers my girl is like when, uh, Macaulay Culkin's spoiler alert dies and from bee stings. And <laughs> like ever since then, I've just like have this horrible fear of bees and yeah, it's, I, here I am in my mid to late thirties. And I, every, I see a bee and I'm like, because ah! I think of right. the movie, my girl. So yeah, you think of the movie, my girl. That's so interesting. <laughs> so, so when you asked the question, I immediately went to the films that my children were watching that I watched with them 50 times a year. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, um, but when I think back to my own childhood in those movies, you know, if I could flip the scar piece into something else, uh, I think of, um, God, I'm dating myself here, but Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ah, Do you know that film? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. I cannot get the I cannot get the mashed potatoes scene out of my head for the my whole life. I mean, he had <laughs> tons of mashed potatoes on the plate, and he's building this monument that he doesn't know exists out of his mashed potatoes. And Every time I eat mashed potatoes, Thanksgiving every year, I can't help but think about Close Encounters of the Third Count and wanting to do the same thing with my fork. It created the ridges. So it didn't scar it. me, but it I kind of, it, I'm yeah. like, I can't enjoy my mashed potatoes the same way. No, that totally counts. That's actually a fantastic, fantastic answer. Uh, now I'm going to also probably Pro think of my mashed potatoes differently. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, what song do you have to sing along with the moment it comes on? Oh my God. Okay. What song do I not sing along with the moment it comes on? <laughs> so little fun fact, I used to be in a band for five minutes. That's so and, fun. Uh, oh yeah. And I was in choir and I did solos. Me too. I, oh my God. We should sing together. I know we should. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm always singing in the car. Oh my gosh. Lately. I mean, when I go to, what's that Mariah Carey song that it goes so high? 
all of her songs. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm so off key because I've got my headphones on the podcast. But anyway, I can't remember the words to that song off the top of my head because I'm intimidated on a podcast. But I sing along to that a lot. And I sing along a lot to chain smokers. I love it. Everything we're doing. Love it. What was your band name that you were in? Oh my God, we didn't have a name. We were just performing at the tea houses in boarding school. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Uh, I know, but the- my big uh, Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders and Edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks and Landslide by oh. Stevie Nicks. And those are my things. Landslide will bring you down. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, uh, uh, so I think I've shared this story on the podcast. I had to have at some point. But I was in it for like a hot minute in middle school. I was in like a Christian worship band called Doubting Thomas. Okay. <laughs> so I was the lead singer of this Christian worship band called Doubting Thomas. So, you know, that was, this was like, and this was like peak, uh, you know, mid 90s, like just really terrible uh, music. <laughs> it was just, it was real bad. Uh, but hey, that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, okay. Question. I love it. Um, question number three, if you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm, That is pretty easy for me. It would be a barbecue grilled salmon Mm. with lots of lemon, olive oil, Malden salt and rosemary set alongside an arugula salad with a base of lemon, olive oil, a little bit of mustard and salt and pepper and some red chili flakes and probably a baked potato where I get to put a lot of butter in it. Yes. I am here for that entire meal. That sounds (laughs) so delicious. And now I'm really hungry. Um, And I think you just gave everybody listening like, oh, they're all like, okay, I know what I'm making for dinner tonight. Um, Okay. Um, And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Hmm. It means that I can live by my personal values. Hmm. There's a fine line between your personal values and that of a business. And if you can make the two shared, then you can feel good about what you do every day and why you put two feet on the ground and get up and work towards your mission because your business mission is not too far off from your personal. Mm, So good. Ingrid, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the work that you're doing serving uh, moms all over. Oh, thank you for having me. This was so fun. I love my break in my day and talking with you, fellow singer. I love it. Yes, we're totally, <laughs> we're going to start a band. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. All Just right, let me know. let's do it. Let's do it. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business With Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business With Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.